0: زول روح القدس که روز پنتیکاس فرارسید همه با هم در یک جا جمع بودند ناگهان صدایی شبیه صدای وزش باد شدید از آسمان آمد و خانه ای را که در آن جمع بودند پر کرد سپس چیزی شبیه زبانه های آتش ظاهر شد تقسیم شد و بر سر هر یک از دیشان فرار گرفت آنگاه همه از روح القدس پر شدند و برای اولین بار شروع به سخن گفتن به زبانهایی کردند که با آنها آشنایی نداشتند زیرا روح خدا این قدرت را به ایشان بخشیده بود آن روزها یهودیان دیندار برای مراسم عید از تمام سرزمین ها به اورشلیم آمده بودند پس وقتی صدا از خانه به گوش رسید گروهی با صورت آمدند تا ببینند چه شده است وقتی شنیند شاگردان ایسا به زمان ایشان سخن می‌گویند، ما محبوط ماند. آنان با تعجب به یکگر می‌گفتند، این چگونه ممکن است با اینکه این اشخاص از عای جلیل هستند ولی به زبان های محلی ما سخن می‌گویند. به زبان همان سرزمین هایی که ما در آن به دنیا آمدیم. ما که از پت ها، ماتهایی ایامی ها اهاالی بین و نهره یهودیه، کپوتوکیه، پونتوس، آسیا، فریجیه و پنفلیه، مصر، قسمت قیرانی، زبان لیبی، کرید و عربستان هستیم و حتی کسانی که از روم آمدن هم یهودی و هم آنانی که یهودی شدن همگی می شنبیم که این اشخاص به زبان خود ما از اعمال عجیب خدا سخن می همه در حالی که معبود بودن از یک دیگر میپرسیدن این چه واقعی است؟ بعضی نیز مسخره کرده میگفتند اینها مست هستند. آمین.
1: آمین. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Great to um, see you today. Great to have you with us here, whether you're here in the room or joining us online as well. And a special thank you there to um, Farzad for reading us the Word of God there in Farsi. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Um, We're in a series called Roots and Shoots. And uh, Lois kicked off the series for us last week And this series, um, what we're doing is together, we're looking at uh, the early church. So the church began nearly 2,000 years ago, um, and uh, it didn't begin here in Witness, in case you didn't know that. It actually began here in Jerusalem, and so the book of Acts is what we're reading through together and looking at together, and we're looking at really um, what the roots of the church were, and so we're going back to Acts to look at the beginning um, but also we're believing for shoots of growth here at FCC and in our community. Growth that we saw happen here in the early church, we're believing for here at FCC. Aren't we, church? Yeah? And so last week, Lois um, looked with us at how the early church was made up of this group of confused, marginalized, and curious people. And that this is how things started and so it's okay if you're here today and you are feeling confused or maybe you think i'm not sure whether i quite fit in here in church um, or perhaps you're feeling curious well that is the picture of what the early church looked like this is how things started and this week we're arriving in acts chapter 2 acts chapter 2 and what we see in acts chapter 2 let me just give you a spoiler alert Um, Acts chapter 2, we see that the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised them that they would be. And so, um, I'm not going to read everything that Farzad just read for us there, but we are just going to look at the first four verses of what we just read. Verse 1 said this, it said, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And we'll pause there. So they are at this thing in Jerusalem, this festival called Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost happened 50 days after Passover. So Jesus had died 50 days earlier. Since then, he was raised back to life, and then he's gone to heaven to be with the Father. This um, festival, Pentecost, was one of three festivals that Jewish people would um, kind of make sure they get to Jerusalem to celebrate. And so Jews had been spread far and wide. And uh, three festivals throughout the year, there was Pentecost, there was the uh, Festival of Tabernacles, and there was Passover. And it was really encouraged to get back to Jerusalem, to get back to the temple. And that's important for us to remember as we're looking at Acts chapter 2, because that's why there were so many different languages here in Jerusalem. And what I love is that Pentecost um, was also called Festival of Weeks. Now, the Festival of Weeks was their annual harvest festival. And uh, they would come to Jerusalem to thank God for the wheat harvest. And I love, you know, there was no <clears throat> nothing planned or strategic about this, how this story has, well, I'm sure the Holy Spirit had a plan for it, um, but I love how it's fallen with this Sunday when we're celebrating and recognizing harvest as well. It says all the believers. When it says all the believers, um, that uh, is estimated to have been about 120 people. Now, just to put that into some context, on a Sunday morning, we typically average about, 130 people although i'm told that this morning there's 151 in here so the the shoots are already coming right but look around the room right now this is like roughly just a little bit more than what the early church gathered together looked like this group of confused marginalized and curious people this is a group of people who had witnessed and had experienced and perhaps even benefited from the miracles of jesus And I was struck this week just thinking about this group of people, just thinking, I wonder whether in this 120 people, was there anybody represented among them who had been raised back to life themselves by Jesus? Like, was Lazarus in this group, or Jairus' daughter, or um, someone else who perhaps Jesus had raised back to life? I I just think that's a a moment in that community that they'd be talking about for a long time, isn't it? Then um, this group of people who had walked and talked with Jesus, what we see is that they're waiting here together. They're gathering together and they're waiting for what was next. You see, Jesus had told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were waiting together in the upper room in a a house. It must have been a big house to fit them all in, but they were waiting together. And what I love about Acts chapter 2, when we look back at the early church, is that everything was about to change for the church. Everything was about to change. Acts chapter 2 changed the course of history. The church would no longer be contained to this room. And the church would no longer be just 120 people. They were about to experience explosive growth. And in verse 2 and 3 say this, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames um, or tongues of fire <coughs> appeared and settled on each of them. This was the moment that Jesus had told them would come. This is what they had been waiting for. I, I um, sometimes kind of can read the Bible and find it difficult to get my head around some of the imagery that it talks about. It, It's important to remember that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is a human mind trying to explain a supernatural um, event. And when um, kind of supernatural things happen, they are hard for us to get our heads around. And so Luke here is using imagery that, you know, wind and fire, like a mighty windstorm doesn't sound like a good thing, does it? That sounds like something you want to be as far away from as possible, or fire. Like these things, they sound destructive, and I'm thinking, well, why? But it's important to remember that Luke is writing here to the early church a group of people who would have been familiar with how um, God would often move in these uh, powerful ways. These two forces, wind and fire, they represent the empowering presence of God. God is coming in a way that's all too familiar for this group of Jewish men and women. Wind, in the Old Testament, we're told, represented um, the breath of God. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we see a valley of dry bones, and what God does is he breathes life into these Dry bones. And so there's something here that God is doing by sending his Holy Spirit where he is just breathing life into the early church. Then um, Jesus himself talked about how the Holy Spirit would come as wind. That's in John chapter 3, verse 8. Fire represented God's power, God's direction, and God's judgment. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. He appeared to uh, Moses in fire on top of Mount Sinai when he brought the Ten Commandments. And then God used a pillar of fire to lead the Israelites by night. So Luke here, he's using like familiar Old Testament language and imagery to remind the early church of what God has done before as a way of linking what God is doing now here Among the church. And then we get this phrase, tongues of fire. Which growing up was a weird phrase to hear about in church. Anybody else with me on that? Tongues? Like as a teenager, an immature teenager, I didn't think it's what it is. Um I'm just gonna say that let's like clear it up quickly. Tongues of fire. What does this mean? It's tongues in the sense of language when we talk about somebody's mother tongue. But you look like you already knew that already, right? You weren't where I was as a teenager, so that's fine. We've cleared that up. But why was he talking here about tongues of fire? What was significant about this imagery of languages is because what happens here in Acts chapter 2 was a miracle of languages that, as I said, was about to totally transform the church to the point that we would be here in witness today as a church, as a community of followers of Jesus. And it says that everyone experienced what happened. It says this in the verse that we're about to look at. And it's important to remember and to hear this. God does not discriminate. No one from this group of confused, marginalized, or curious people would be left out of this move of God. Today, it doesn't matter whether you're in that place of confused or marginalized or curious, God wants to do something in your life. Verse 4 says, And everyone present, everyone present, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This was the moment they had been waiting for. Jesus had told them, go and wait for my Holy Spirit to come. Go and wait. And I don't know whether you're like me, but I'm a very impatient person. Anybody else impatient? Anybody want to own that with me? Like, for me, if Jesus had told me to go and wait, I'd have wanted the Holy Spirit to come prime delivery, like next day. But there was some waiting here for the disciples to do. They were waiting For the Holy Spirit to come. And then he comes. And there's more to this story of Pentecost, which we're going to pick up and look at next week. But um, first, what we want to do is really just pause here. Um, Jesus had told them that the Holy Spirit would come. And they're filled here with the Holy Spirit. But I appreciate that for some people, hearing about the Holy Spirit might be new to you. It might be a strange thing that you're thinking, what is or who is this Holy Spirit? And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to take our time just looking at who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And so I've got some things here because a lot has been said in the Bible about who the Holy Spirit is. You see, in the Bible, we're up to um, page Uh, 1,040 in my Bible right now where this story happens, which means there's a lot of stuff to cover about who the Holy Spirit is. So let me give you a a kind of whistle-stop tour of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is one of the three members of the Trinity. You've got God the Father, you've got um, Jesus the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit was um, present at creation because the Holy Spirit is God, and we're told that the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the waters. Now, throughout the Old Testament, this is what's really important for us to get our heads around today. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit would come and empower people for God's purposes. The Holy Spirit would come and fill people for specific times, for specific tasks. Let me give you some examples. You've got Samson, and we're told that the Spirit of God came upon Samson and gave him strength. You've got Gideon, who um, Justine told us about in our Hidden Figures series, and the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon and brought Gideon courage. You've got Bezalel, the Holy Spirit comes upon Bezalel and gives Bezalel creativity. And then throughout the Bible, you've got these prophets, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes upon them to speak God's words, to be God's mouthpiece to a nation. And in the Old Testament, there's these different promises about who the Holy Spirit is. And these <clears throat> promises, they say that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon all of God's people. And they say that the Holy Spirit is going to come and make a permanent home within God's people. Jesus himself, when we arrive in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit so evident from the beginning of the New Testament. Excuse me. Um, We see the Holy Spirit was fully at work in the birth of Jesus. What happens with Mary is she's visited by an angel, and the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then there's this amazing encounter between Mary and Elizabeth, Um, where Mary and Elizabeth were cousins and they met up and they both had these promises from God about how they're going to have a baby and the baby's got a special purpose. And what happens is that when they meet each other, we're told that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you've got Jesus. When Jesus grows up and he goes around and he does his thing, his ministry, his miracles, we're told that he was filled with the Holy Spirit And we're told that the miracles that he did all happened because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said a lot about the Holy Spirit. He said that, um, here's some things he said, the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will be an advocate for you. The Holy Spirit will be a helper for you. He talked about the Holy Spirit coming to be with his followers. He talked about how the Holy Spirit would come and live in us. He talked about how the Holy Spirit would come to teach us, teach us truth. He said, the Holy Spirit will help you to remember Jesus' words. The Holy Spirit will bring peace. The Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to highlight sin. The Holy Spirit is going to speak God's words to us. And ultimately, The role of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will come to point people to Jesus. And then we get Jesus' final words to the disciples, to this group gathering together, just before he's taken off as Lois um, shared with us last week in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And here's what he says. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus finishes by talking again about the Holy Spirit and saying this promise is coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to bring power upon you. And so we take a deep breath. So much said and promised about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is an incredible, amazing gift available for us all. So much promised. And here's what changes in Acts chapter 2, the story that we're looking at together. When you think about everything about who the Holy Spirit has been to what is about to happen. The gift of the Holy Spirit who once came upon particular people at particular times for particular purposes, is now for every one of us. Everything that we see in the Old Testament about who the Holy Spirit is, everything that was promised about the Holy Spirit, everything that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, is available for each and every one of us. And when your mind really grasps about who the Holy Spirit is, you think, well, I want some of that, right? I need the Holy Spirit in my life. That means you in the room today. That means you watching online. It means you if you're catching up with this preach in days or weeks to come. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost for the early church to bring a new season for the church. The Holy Spirit has come for every follower of Jesus. Now, Jesus uses a word to um, describe the Holy Spirit. And he uses this word, and in the original Greek, it's a word called parakletos, parakletos. And parakletos means to come alongside. Or other words that might and kind of come from this uh, meaning are that the Holy Spirit is our, we talked about before, our advocate, or our encourager, or a helper or a comforter. And there's a great picture of this um, word, parakletos, in Greek history. And it comes from um, where a small ship, if a small ship got into trouble in the Mediterranean Sea, then what would happen is that the Greeks would send out a big ship to come alongside the small ship and to help guide it back into the harbour. And I love that picture of what the Holy Spirit does, that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to guide us, to bring us courage, to bring us strength. The role of the Holy Spirit can be seen as that, that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and helps us through every part of our life. Have you ever, has anybody ever heard of the um, British athlete Derek Redmond? And we remember Derek Redmond. Um, Let me fill you in for those of you who aren't familiar with his story. Derek Redmond was a sprint athlete. And uh, at one point, he held the British record for the 400 meters. He was a super fast guy. But Derek Redmond is probably now more familiar and remembered by people for something that happened to him at the 1992 Olympics. He was in the 400 meters But during the 400 meters, he got just past halfway. He was about 250 meters in when suddenly he pulled his hamstring. He was not able to continue at the speed that he was going. He could not go any further. But where kind of many athletes understandably would just stop where they are and give up and wait for help, he was determined to finish the race. And then what happened is somebody appears from the audience, from the crowd, and runs onto the track. And you can see in the video, the steward's kind of thinking, what's going on? We need to stop this guy. And this guy comes up to Derek Redmond, and he picks him from the ground, and he puts his arm around him. And what we later find out is that this man, you'll see in this picture now, was Derek Redmond's father. And his father comes alongside him and he puts his arm around him. And it's a beautiful moment if you YouTube the video. It's a a beautiful moment of how he comes alongside him, he picks him up, and he just helps him through to the finish line. And I love that picture. I got it from, um, we do uh, the Alpha Course in Farsi together um, with a group from um, Iran. And it was part of that series. And I just love this imagery, this picture Of how the Holy Spirit, just like in this, comes alongside us and helps us through every part of our lives. You know, we'll all experience the Holy Spirit in different ways. The Holy Spirit does different things in all of us. Because like we've just looked at throughout Scripture, He does so much. He helps us in so many different ways. It might be that today you need to know that you are loved by God, that you are part of his family. And in a moment, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and fill us. And here's some things that the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit can overwhelm us with a deep sense of belonging and love. And in a moment, you can go from feeling Uh, marginalized, cast out like you don't belong, like you can't know and experience God's love because of what you've done. And in a moment, the Holy Spirit just comes and fills you and you just think, oh, I'm overwhelmed with this sense of belonging and love that comes from God. The Holy Spirit can transform our emotions. We might be here today or watching online and you're in need of peace or you're in need of joy, or you're in need of his comfort. And he can bring these feelings, these emotions in our lives in ways that just seem impossible to explain. Because it's a joy that we experience, that we can't find or feel or experience from anything or from anyone else. I was filled with the Holy Spirit um, when I was 18 and this is what he did to me he transformed my emotions something happened where um i had this overwhelming feeling of joy i had a proper lol moment like i just laughed uncontrollably out loud like really loud and i was in this um i was at this christian festival in this This big top, there was um, about uh, 6,000, I think, young people there together. And my friend said to me afterwards, like, what on earth were you doing? A bit like what we read in the story earlier on when um, Farzad read it to us where the onlookers were like, I think they're just drunk, because that's the only way they could explain what was going on here in this moment. And you know, um, sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes and things happen, it can look a bit strange. Because it's a heavenly thing that's happening. And it's hard for our our human, uh, earthly minds to understand and get our heads around it. But then when you hear what's happening for people, it starts to make sense. And you know, the reason why I was laughing so much is because in that moment, God was healing me of some grief that I'd been carrying in my life. And suddenly, this grief was just leaving me. And I just felt happy. I just felt so full of joy. The Holy Spirit can transform our emotions. The Holy Spirit can help us break free from destructible habits. Maybe there's something in our lives that we just can't find freedom from. Something that we know that we shouldn't be doing and we don't want to do it. But in our own strength, we can't stop doing it. Another scripture in the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, He can break us free of those habits. He can bring His fruits, and His fruits, one of them is self-control. And in a moment, the Holy Spirit can just bring that freedom, that help that we need. The Holy Spirit can give us courage to talk about our faith. It might be that when the Holy Spirit fills you, you just suddenly experience this this boldness or this courage to start telling people about Jesus. Or it might be that like with the early church, you are given a specific gift to help with this. In this instance, in Acts chapter 2, it was the ability to speak in another language and we're going to talk a bit more about that next week. Another, another tongue. And this is the gift that I wish I had when I was 16 and I took GCSE French in my oral exam. And I just wish the Holy Spirit had just suddenly gifted me with the ability to speak my bonjours and au revoirs and everything fluently. But unfortunately, all I knew was my bonjours and my au revoir and I failed miserably. But you know, the Holy Spirit he can come and he can gift us with his gifts in a way that then give us the courage and the boldness in our faith. The early church, we're told in the Bible, and we're going to finish here with this, there was gifts that were poured out by the Holy Spirit. And we've not got time today, so we're going to just kind of, I'll just summarize this now. We're not going to read them through together, but He came and he gifted the church with nine different gifts. Gift of wise advice, of special knowledge, of great faith, of healing, the power to perform miracles, the ability to prophesy, the ability to discern, uh, the ability to speak in unknown languages, and then the ability to interpret what was said. And you can read all of those if you're taking notes today um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But I wonder whether sometimes... We as Christians, we miss the point of these gifts. And actually what happens is that the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit become our focus. And what we miss is the very point here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7, which says a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. The Holy Spirit wants to come and fill us in a way that we can help each other. It's not to grow somebody's, like, look at me, I can do this. It's not so that these things become our kind of focus or our goal or our God. It's so that we can, by God's power, by his spirit, help each other, help our community. And as we talk about these gifts and as we talk about everything here to do the Holy Spirit, I'll just finish with this. Each one of us has a part to play and a unique God-given gift to use, because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to leave anyone out when we ask him together to just come and fill us. He's got something for you today, and everything that he wants to bring today amongst us all, it's going to be different, like I said, for all of us, but what, what gift has God given you? Maybe you already know, and it's something that you've used before, but it's just lying dormant in your life. And today, God just wants to fan that back into action, into life in you today. Maybe you're actually about to find out what gift God has for you, how he wants to use you to make a difference in and through your community, to help our community. And just like a couple of quick things to say on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just a one-time moment. It's a bit like phone signal, where our signal can be on one bar or it can be full. Like we need to keep coming back to the Holy Spirit and asking Him, Him to fill us. It's not just a one-off occasion or one-off moment. Maybe you would say you were filled in the Spirit like me, like years ago. But it's not enough just to live off that. We need to keep coming back to God and saying, God, would you fill me afresh? And you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it isn't something that just happens on a Sunday morning. It's something that can happen tomorrow morning when you're on your way to work or on Wednesday when you're in the midst of a trial and you're facing this difficulty and you just say, Holy Spirit, I need your courage right now. I need you to come alongside me. I need you just to help me today, afresh and anew. And so what we're going to do together now is we're just going to ask him to come and fill us afresh, fill us anew. And maybe there's something I've said about the Holy Spirit and you're just thinking, yeah, I, I need some of that in my life, whatever it might be. He might be right now in this moment. I believe he is just putting things in your heart right now that he wants to do.